Hello everyone, welcome to this episode of Hockey Prospect Report. I'm Frankie alongside with Nick, who you'll hear from a little bit later. But before we get into this episode, we want to let you know about our sponsor, Customized Sports. Customized Sports offers high quality tackle tool jersey kits featuring the name bar and the numbers and which you can get for any blank jersey that you own. For more information about Customized Sports, please visit them on their website, www.customizedsports.com, or on their Reddit or eBay page at customized-sports. As well, at checkout, use code PROSPECT10 for your 10% discount. Thank you to Customized Sports for sponsoring us. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Hockey Prospect Report. We're talking more prospects today, like usual. We talked to goalies last week. And we're moving on, Frankie. We're talking about some more skaters. You excited? You know, I am excited because there's one guy in particular that I am very excited about, uh, especially for next season, where, I mean, we'll get into that when he comes around. But uh, from this point going forward, we are taking requests for who you want to do. Otherwise, Nick and I are going to be picking two prospects each that we will be looking at. Uh, and they don't necessarily have to be in any order. So some of the guys that we have today are in the second round. Some of them are listed as high as 15 on some lists. One of them who uh, was that list was built by Craig Button, who I think may have been dropped on his head at some point between January and March. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to start branching out a bit. We've covered the the most – important prospects i guess the the top guys you know we've... yeah the, the top guys i wouldn't say important because anybody in this draft especially in this draft that is this deep with this much talent could be an impact player down the road some are obviously more not guaranteed but more likely to do that than others but hey uh, we've seen guys that are end up being stars in the league go undrafted before so anything can happen yeah for sure so yeah like frankie said we're gonna each pick two guys a week and Unless we, ha- unless we get requests. Unless we get requests, yeah, we'll go over them. But um, we'll try to keep it within the same range, the four prospects, you know, within the same projection, I guess. We won't go like a first-round prospect and then a seventh-rounder. We won't do that. We'll work our way down to the seventh round if we even get that far. Um, but I mean, right yeah. now, draft is scheduled for October 1st. No, I think it's October 8th or October 11th or something hmm. around that range. So Is it now? Okay. You've got some time before we get there. So, you know, anybody that you want to hear during that time, please let us know. Yeah. So I guess we'll get right into it, Frankie. We'll start with one of the guys I, I want to talk about. And he's going to be the only defenseman we talk about today. Because we got to we got to talk about the guys on D, right? We have to. We can't just go forwards. So well, for, let, let me just say, I'm a little bit surprised you didn't pick William Wallander here. To, to talk about but that's a guy that we're going to get to a little bit later probably in a different episode but we will but I want to talk about I'm more excited about this guy than I'm Wallander I like Wallander but anyways the guy I want to talk about is Justin Barron he's a D-man for the Halifax Mooseheads 18 years old 6'2 and the first thing that I noticed about Barron is his 200 foot game you know he's a D-man but he's effective in all three zones, and then the offensive zone, neutral zone, D zone, wherever you need him, he's effective, especially even on the power play and penalty kill. You can do whatever you need him to do. That's the, that's the first thing I noticed about him. Now, I want to know why you picked to talk about him. Because, uh, like we said, at this point, we are picking players that we want to talk about. So what was the reasoning for you picking him? Well, I went through a lot of different tape from a bunch of different guys in the late first round, early second round. D-man, because I wanted to talk about a D-man for sure. I, I love the defense. Um, and I took like little snippets of a lot of demons highlights and he just kind of jumped out at me and his stability in all zones. And that's kind of why I wanted to discuss him because I feel that with his type of style and his awareness, he is going to be a big contributor for a team down the road. Uh, this is the kind of guy that I would want the Rangers to draft. I really would like them to pick him. Yeah. He's a, Ranked number 23 by ISS Hockey and number 25 by Bob McKenzie. And those are by far uh, his highest rankings other than, you know, his North American skater ranking, which I don't care about uh, because that does not give you the whole picture whatsoever. Uh, So this is a guy that, you know, we could even see go in the first round, but could we see him in the, the second round? Possibly. 
elite prospect sees him in the third round. So I think it's going to be an interesting situation where we see um, Justin Barron go in the draft. As far as what I like from him, I think that despite the fact that he did not put up many points this year, and that has a lot to do with being a defenseman on an overall pretty crappy Halifax Moosehead team. You know, I I think that his offensive creativity for a defenseman is pretty good. You know, he's made some some crazy plays. Yeah, right. And his awareness is what strikes me is he knows how to make that first pass. And that's so important with a D-man um, when breaking out, especially breaking out of the D-zone. Knowing when you should make that first pass or you should skate it up is really important. And his ability to skate, too, is in, impeccable for a D-man. He's a, he's a big body, and he's a strong skater, too. He, he knows when he's supposed to, you know, bite down low in the offensive zone, and he knows when he's supposed to hold the point. And, he, I mean, his awareness is just incredible. I, I don't know how else to put it. One thing that I saw that I, I, I really like from him, too, and I, he only scored four goals this year, but I think he has a pretty, pretty good shot from the point as well. Yeah. It's not something that, you know, he, he's not a Shea Weber. He's not going to light up the radars with, with his shot or anything. But if you get a guy in front, I think he's got an accurate and, and solid enough shot that he can, you know, shoot for a rebound or he can use that screen and, and pick a corner for you. And to have that on your defense is certainly helpful as opposed to a guy who's going to shoot muffins on the net. Yeah. Like I said, he – can do what you need him to do. If you want him to run the power play and he sits at the point and he can, he can take that slap shot for you and, and fire it home or even get, you know, that place it well for deflection. Um, but he also plays a really good one-on-one -on -one game in the defensive zone. He, he can pick your pocket and steal the puck and start the breakout really well. Um, he's really good on transition and he's a stable player. And that's how I would put it. What do you think about his skating? He's a strong skater. He, he, he's, he's got a powerful stride. He knows when he has to skate and – or let me rephrase that. He knows when he has to take that puck in and skate, and he does it well. He, he's a big body, and he uses that to his advantage. And He's strong on the puck, and, yeah, he's a strong skater. <laughs> I think one thing that I noticed while I was watching some of his tape, too, was that he doesn't necessarily ever have to be a strong skater because he's usually in the right spot. You know, it's not like one of those, those players that gets caught pinching and has to, you know, make an incredible back check or whatever and dive to take the puck away from the guy. He's not going to put himself in that spot. He's going to stay positionally sound and, and take the right angles. And, you know, he's not, he's not going to pinch on you and give you a wide open two on O. So I think that's also very helpful. But like you said, I think he has the ability to also take the puck in in the offensive zone. And, you know, he's he has one play that, that you'll find pretty easily when you look him up that, you know, he goes into the zone and he makes like, I think he did like a spin around a move or whatever and, and dished the puck out to uh, his winger, which I was pretty impressed by. I didn't think he would be able to skate like that. I mean, he's six foot two, so you don't really expect that from him. And it's his decision-making that I think is going to, carry him far into the NHL. I, I, that's why I think he'll be a great asset to whoever drafts him. A player who understands the game well and is patient when making decisions and deciding whether or not he should either pass it or headman the puck and skate it into the zone. That's, a, that's something that you can't necessarily teach. You can teach it, but uh, he, I think, has that killer instinct of what he should do and when he shouldn't maybe, you know, make that pass or take it in the zone. Yeah, it's just a sound uh, hockey IQ. It's, it's sound play style. And you can't, you can't undersell that for him. I mean, having a guy that's got this kind of mindset and this kind of hockey smarts is very important on the defensive side of things. You know, you'll get guys like Eric Carlson is one of, one of the ones that I think of almost instantly when you think about, guys that almost kind of neglect the defensive zone a lot of the time. You know, I personally, I, I hate it when defensemen do that. I'm, I'm more of a kind of two-way at the most. Like, I, I don't want my defenseman to go play forward all the time. So I think, you know, Justin Barron 
gives you a good mix of the two that he's not going to, he's not going to neglect your defensive end and he's going to do whatever he can offensively while keeping himself in a good spot to defend his own net whenever he has to. Yeah. And that's why I think he's going to be such a big contributor to the team that drafts him. That is something that is so underrated in a lot of these players. And especially when we start getting into the later rounds and getting out of the first round, that's going to be something that teams are going to look for is maybe not necessarily your skill, although that is important, but is hockey sense, which is what might set you apart from other prospects in the later rounds. Cause that's where you're really going to start either reaching for players or, you know, you'll see players dropping a lot, but I think Baron can very well be picked in the late first round. I think that's where he'll go. Um, but no later than the early second. Now that we're out of the surefire first round top 15 kind of players, Let's start kind of putting a timeline for when we think this player is going to be ready and if we think they're going to be an NHL player or not. I think Barron guaranteed needs – he's going to play another year in juniors. I think that's quite evident in these later rounds. Um, He'll play another year in juniors when he gets drafted. Um, I don't see him – coming up to the NHL full-time in his second year. Um, maybe he makes the roster out of training camp. Maybe they give him a nine-game trial, and then he goes back to Halifax, or if he's even there still. But I think at NHL ETA, three seasons, and then he'll have a full-time roster spot, or at least a top-six D-man role. I think this is going to be an interesting situation because I, I think that he's going to guarantee he will be back in the queue next season without a doubt in my mind. From there, it becomes a question of how good of a season does he have this year with Halifax or, you know, wherever he ends up because nobody's ever safe in, in junior hockey. You can be traded in a heartbeat. Uh, how, how good of a season does he have? And is that season good enough for him to play for an American League team in his overage season? Or does he go back for another season after that as well? Which, again, is another possibility. I think that whenever he does sign that ELC and, you know, he's he's – playing pro hockey for the first couple of years, I think he's going to spend it in the American league. So I would almost say that his NHL ETA for me is probably closer to four years. If not five, four, I can get on board with five. No way. Five is in, he plays two more seasons in the queue, then plays two in the American league. And then he's in the NHL. I think his decision-making is going to help him a lot and excel or uh, it's going to shorten his, Arrival time. I think he's going to get there a lot quicker based on that decision. It also depends what situation he ends up. So, like, if he ends up on, like, a Nashville or something, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for him to find a spot. If he ends up in Columbus, it'll be a little bit more difficult for him to find a spot. Uh, If he ends up on a lesser team that needs defensemen now, you could see that time go down to, like, two years. So, again, interesting situation. I, I think that he has a chance to be a top six defenseman in the NHL at some point, but again, there's no guarantees. So it's going to be super interesting to see what he's able to do. I think Barron is going to be a real contributor to whoever gets drafted. Um, yeah. Like you said, he'll be on a team or I think he'll do best on a team that is really striving for defense. But um, with that, I think we've talked enough about Barron and we'll, um, Moving on to our next guy, Frankie. This is a guy that you wanted to talk about, right? Yes. Tyson Forrester is one of my personal favorites in this draft. And I I think he's one of my personal favorites simply because I know what he's going to do with the Barry Colts next year. Um, The Barry Colts are going to be one of the best teams in the OHL next year. And I would be surprised if he does not score 50 goals. Seriously surprised if he does not score 50. This season, he scored 36 in 62 games. And the Colts were hovering around 500. They had a chance to steal that number one spot in the division from the Wolves, which I personally think they would have done had the season ended uh, as it was supposed to. But that being said, Tyson Forrester is one of my favorite players in this draft. He doesn't necessarily have the guaranteed, you know, potential like uh, an Alexi Lafreniere who, you know, everybody's been hyped up, hyping up all season. Tyson Forrester to me is that kind of guy that if you can get him in the twenties, you have a great prospect going forward. It's a great bang for your buck pick. If you can get him in the twenties, Craig button has him at 15, but like I said, Craig button has been dropped on his head. Well, 
I can agree with you there about Craig Button at least. <laughs> See, but like that's the thing, right? Like he's got him at 15. HockeyProspects.com has him at 30. Future considerations 39. McKean's 46. Uh, NHL Central Scouting has him 21 for North American players, and Craig Button has him 15 overall. Right? Bob McKenzie has him at 29, which I think is pretty much the range. I think 25 to 29 is probably where we'll see Tyson Forrester go. Craig Button, I like I, I can't look at his stuff and take it seriously anymore. Well, I'm wondering, because there's a lot of other rankings on him that have him going a little bit later than that first round, right? Out of the first round. But I'm wondering what is you know, influencing them to think that because I look at this guy and he's excels in a lot of different areas of his game. There's not a lot of areas where he lacks his defense. Right. But he's still a bat. He's, he's a great back checker. He puts a lot of pressure on puck handlers. Yeah. I mean, he does need to work on it, but is it, does it grant dropping him maybe out of the first round? I just think he's, he's a lot, he, they're underselling him outside of the first round, I think is a little bit ridiculous for him. Right. He's, I I wouldn't say he's the best goal scorer in this draft. Like obviously, I've said before, I think that's um, Alexander Holtz, and then I think you know Jack Quinn. As much as I say I don't think he's going to be a pure goal scorer, I think he is a better all over better overall scorer than Tyson Forrester. But there's so much that Tyson Forrester does for that team, and. I almost wish that the Colts would have been better this year just to show off exactly how good he is because, you know, the, the times that I got to watch him this year, it, it's incredible. He doesn't have that much help around him, and the things he was able to do are remarkable. And he is another one of those guys who is strong on the puck and he's hard to knock off, right? He can handle the puck well, but over that, like you said, he has a great shot. His number one skill is goal scoring, I would say. Um, I, to go back to what you said earlier, I wouldn't be shocked either that if he scores 50 next year. Um, I, I just don't think there's a way he doesn't if there's a full season, especially not if the Colts are like the number one team in the, in the East, like is anticipated by so many. As I was watching his tape, he, he's, an, he's a guy that I watched a lot of tape on. Like I just couldn't stop watching because I wanted to get an even better idea of who he was because he does a lot of things right. I kind of started to see a little bit of Steven Stamkos in him. If you, okay. if you can, yeah, yeah. Um, he is – you look at Ovechkin, right? And he's always, you know, in Ovi's office getting those one-timers. I think he does that a little bit too, but he's a little bit more diverse with his shots and where he likes to shoot it from and the kind of shot he does. But he excels in any way, shape, or form of shooting the puck. You know, a snapshot, wrist shot, slap shot, whatever you want to do. Um, I mean, he's a, he's a lightning quick shooter. Yeah. There's, there's times too, where he's just at an angle that you, you shouldn't, you have no business scoring from some of the angles he scores from. And I think part of that is just, he is a pure scorer. You know, his defensive game suffers for it. Absolutely. But he's, when he's on the ice, things happen. He makes it happen. You know, I am, a huge Tyson Forrester fan. I'm, I'm so excited to see what he's able to do with the Colts next year. And I hope to God that we have a world junior championship in, in 2000, uh, the end of 2020, because he's going to be on team Canada and he's going to play an absolutely huge role for team Canada. Yeah. I think he's going to be a big standout when it comes to a team, you know, giving him an ELC or calling him up. Um, Cause I mean, there's no question he's getting drafted this year. Um, but I think he'll be a pretty decent player on, on whoever gets drafted. The only thing that maybe if you're picking him, not necessarily concerned of, but you might want to work on a little bit is physicality. Maybe not necessarily laying guys out, but, you know, putting your body in between a defender and battling for the puck a little bit more. That's the only thing I would say on him. And, that's the only knock. And that's exactly why I hate the height issues, right? Because – you look at a guy like Tyson Forrester and you see 6'1", 194. And then I'll go back to it. I, I always say that Marco Rossi plays bigger than he is. And he's what, 5'9", 160-something? I'd say Marco Rossi's the more physical player as opposed to Forrester. Agreed. And it's so unfair 
that Rossi gets put in that boat because he's small, but nobody has an issue that Forrester doesn't have much physicality to his game at all. You know, he's 6'1", 194. In, in junior hockey, you should, be, you should be set. You should be one of the most physical players on the ice. Yeah, he granted, he's, yeah, he's aggressive on the puck or the loose pucks, loose puck battles where, you know, he's got a chance to get it. And he doesn't have to use his body as much. But if there comes an opportunity where he has to, you know, get into the corner and battle for it, I don't see him doing that. I think he's a, he's a passive player when it comes to that. I mean, he, he will do it, but just not as a, on a consistent basis like a Marco Rossi, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but, you know, I, I hope Forrester is able to get a little bit more physicality to his game because if he does, he's, he's going to be an unstoppable force offensively. In a different draft, I see him going earlier than where he most likely will get picked just with yeah. the amount of talent there is in this draft. But late first round, I think, is a, a safe place. I, I tell you, man, like not making Team Canada is so hard for a lot of guys. Like these – in a, in a different year, Cole Perfetti and Tyson Forrester not only make Team Canada, but they're stars on Team Canada. And this year, they didn't make the team at all. So, that that is something that I, I can't imagine how difficult it was for them. So, he should have a bit of a chip on his shoulder for that. But, I mean, overall, like, Tyson Forrester is one of my, my favorite prospects. And if you watched him in the, uh, the Cherry versus Orr game, or whatever it was, I think it was renamed after what Don Cherry said, but that's not relevant. Uh, what he did with Jack Quinn was absolutely amazing. You know, those two were on the same wavelength from the beginning, and they had never played a game together. So I think that it is so, so impressive, some of the things that this kid has been able to do. So to wrap up Forster, what do you think his NHL ETA is? Well, he's definitely in Barry next year. Uh, 100%. He's taking the Colts to finish first in the East next year. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, I, I don't know. That's, that's where things get interesting. I, he's, I don't see him cracking a roster spot after his he first is, year in Barry. He's, he's either back in Barry for his age 20 season, his overage season, or he's on an NHL team. And if he's not on an NHL team for his overage season, I think he's on the NHL team the next year. So I would say two to three years for him. Really? I am going a little later. I'm going three to four. I, I, for his year two, I I don't think, I think he's good enough to, you know, get away from the, the OHL, but I don't think he's good enough to compete on a for a roster spot. So for that reason, I think he'll stay in Barry for two years and then, I don't know. I think he'll he'll still have to battle for a spot in his third year. So I'm going to go with three to four. Well, I think he'll have to battle for a spot, but I think he'll have the opportunity to get one depending on where he goes. Yeah, no question. But um, he's got a uh, – yeah, I'm going to stick with three to four. Three to four years. And you might see him on a roster. Maybe a scratch. No. <laughs> no, they won't scratch him. He's too good. <laughs> he's too good and too young to be scratched. Okay. So we're halfway through our uh, prospect review for this episode. And it's time to thank the sponsors. Thank our sponsors at Customized Sports Canada. Good guys. Good guys. So if you're new here, our friends over at Customized Sports, they create customized tackle twill jersey kits, which you can buy yourself and tell them what what name you want, what numbers you want, and that you can put on your own jersey. So you have a blank jersey. You say, hey, I want to get this Artemi Panarin jersey, but I want a Chicago jersey. You got a blank Chicago jersey? Order the 72 and Panarin, and they'll make it for you. You put it on yourself. It's super easy. Or or get a Tyson Forrester Barry Colts jersey. I mean, yeah, you can do that too. You can do that too. But they'll custom make it for you. They'll send it right to your house, and they give you the instructions to put it on. Super easy, super, it's not, I shouldn't say quick, but you know, it's tedious, but it's fun. Yeah, but they come out looking great. Uh, like, I they cannot do. complain about the way they look. You know, I got them hanging behind me, and to an untrained eye, you're never going to notice a difference between that and the real deal. So, I, they're fantastic quality, and I 100% recommend it. Absolutely. And they, they post stuff on Twitter all the time, guys. Customized sport on Twitter. 
They yeah. post uh, different examples of what they have. Even like hockey fights, cancer jerseys. Oh, if, have you seen the? Uh, um, oh, the I don't. Last, I don't. I think it's a ad. No, I think it's the hockey fights, cancer penguins one where they have all the ribbons on it. Those are oh, sick. Those are fantastic. I didn't see that one. I saw Those one of awesome. Zibanejad. It might have been the – no, it wasn't the Hockey Fights Cancer. It was the, the military appreciation is what I ah. saw. Those are pretty nice too. But anyway, you can find them on their store at um, customizedsports.com or on their Reddit or eBay page at customized-sports. So thank you for them for sponsoring us. Don't forget. If you're going to buy stuff from their page. Oh, yeah. Use code PROSPECT10. Duh. Use PROSPECT10 for a I 10% discount. <laughs> so, we're halfway through. It's time to wrap it up. Our final two. That was kind of good. What do you, th- what do you say? <laughs> okay. Don't, don't become a rapper. <laughs> Next player on the list is a guy that I really like and um, really stood out. In my opinion with his skating and that's antonio strongest i know you didn't I like this hate pick you because you don't like the london knights but how was, can you overlook his skating because he plays for, because he plays for the london knights that's why because he plays for the london knights okay if it was up to me we'd never talk about a london knights prospect ever <laughs> well unfortunately i think how much money do you think they gave him to pay for them to play for them that's another topic for another day. I'd say. You're right. It is. We will talk about that for one. a for a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, Strongis is a phenomenal skater. He has a really unique and different style. Um, his edge work, I think, separates him from any other prospect in this draft. And uh, watching him on tape is it, it's just weird. It's weird, but unique in his own way. Nick, do you really think Strongest is better than Forrester? No, I don't. Purely because Strongest needs a lot of work on his defensive game. But I just think that he, he, he deserved a nod purely based on his edge work and his, his phenomenal so, handling skills. Let's say this, okay. Antonio Strongest is ranked number 25 by future considerations, right? Mm-hmm. Take a guess where they put Tyson Forrester. 39. Okay, well, the whole point of this was not for you to look at it, okay? Uh, so no, I'm it was not, just a guess. Am I right? <laughs> it was not just a guess, and you know it wasn't. So stop <laughs> lying to me and stop lying to yourself. <laughs> that okay. I, I don't like that ranking because – Honestly, I think as good of a skater Antonio Strongest is, I don't know if he's really all that, Nick. Well, I think it's going to be something that stands out amongst all other prospects when teams are getting towards the late first round. Um, Do I think it will transition really well into the NHL? That's a big question mark because, as a lot of people know, when you get to the NHL, you're either going to continue producing or you got to completely change up your game. and Strongest didn't put up an uh, immense amount of points. I mean, 80 points in 62 games is great. Don't get me wrong. But is he going to be able to continue skating and stick handling the way he is in the NHL? I think that's the big question. This is just the London Knights factor for me. You know, the London Knights are notorious for taking players and, and getting them drafted. That's why so many players want to go to London. But just because you get drafted doesn't mean you end up doing anything in the NHL. Dale Hunter is such a good coach that he can do anything with nothing. Like, he can, he can win a Memorial Cup with nothing. And, you know, he's done it before and he's going to do it again, assuming he's, he continues to coach that team. I, I don't think – for me, I don't, I don't know what the future for Strongest is in the NHL. I think other than being a, a, a really good skater, I don't know if his – scoring touch is really all that great i don't know if he's that great of a playmaker i know he scored 40 points but again he played on one of the best teams in junior hockey this year with the london knights so i don't know how much of this is just the london knights effect the reason i really wanted to talk about him is because he's a he's a 50 50 gamble i'd say he's the kind of guy i want to keep tabs on after he gets drafted because he is either going to let me let me say it like this 
his style of play, if he can succeed with that in the NHL, it's going to be deadly for a team. I mean, he is, he's going to be a lethal weapon on offense, and he'll be able to, I mean, easily put up 50, 60 assists if he's that good, if he gets that good. But I could also see him having to mix up his play style a bit when he gets to the NHL, becoming a little bit more physical and, you know, maybe putting on some more weight. He's 5'10", which is fine. That's a good size, but he does not have, you know, the most muscle mass. He's only 178 is what I'm looking at right here. When you talk about guys changing their play style to become more physical, though, normally that's something that's already in their game a little bit, you know? Like, when Travis Konechny went from the OHL to the NHL, he had to adapt, right? He had, You know, he had to become more physical, more of a gritty kind of guy. But that was something that was already in his DNA. He didn't have to do it as much in junior, but he still did it. I don't get that vibe. I don't think Antonio Strong just has that ability to change his play style. I think for him, it's, it's kind of a, you got one shot, you got to make this work this way. And if not, it's going to be a challenge for him to change his play style. Because I think his game is mostly predicated on, have, on just being faster than everybody else. Well, see, that's the thing is when you look at a guy like Konechny, another guy reminds me of Konechny is like Tuchuk, right? Yep. We, all knew, we all know the Tuchuk's family legacy. We all know how they play. Yep. Um, but when Tuchuk was coming into the league, he was, he put up a lot of points and as you know, prior to coming into the NHL and then he lived up to the Tuchuk family legacy and now he's a prick in a good way. Um, but not in a good way. If you're talking about the Sens one, I hate that guy. Well, if you're just a because fan, I'm a Habs fan, no? well, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> if you're an Oilers fan or a Habs fan, you hate the Tuchuks. That's just how it is. <laughs> <laughs> but what I think he reminds me of most is this is kind of a Jimmy VC situation for me. Jimmy VC by no means is grit in his blood. I don't think he was a, a skilled player in college and he had a rough transition coming into the NHL. But once he found his stride with the Rangers, at least he played a really good 200 foot game and he started to get in the dirty areas and did what he needed to do to, you know, uh, support the team. And I think Strongest is going to do the exact same only with a better skating advantage than Jimmy VC. I don't think Jimmy VC is exactly a great example of this. Well, see, Jimmy, like, Jimmy VC is not a you know, top six forward putting up 20 goals a year by no means, but he is still serviceable for that bottom six offensive group. I guess if, if we're being fair too, like you cannot expect every single player in a draft to come in and, and play NHL minutes for you. Like If you draft Antonio Strongest in the third round and he can come in and, and be a solid American League player for you, an occasional call-up when you need it, are you happy with that? I think that depends on where you pick him. If if I pick a guy in the late first round, even early late second. Third round, late third round. Late third round pick, and he's a solid AHLer, like good call-up, then yeah, I think that's a successful pick. I think that conception of drafting a guy and expecting them to be an elite forward is common amongst a lot of people. So yeah. I'm saying late to mid third round because that's where Bob McKenzie has him, and that's the guy I trust the most. So I, I think in that spot, if you get a guy that is a consistent first-line American leaguer or has the ability to come up and play some fourth-line minutes for you when you're when one of your guys goes down and, and produce for you, I think that's a solid pick. Do I think Strongest can do that? For sure. I, th- I think Strongest has the chance to be a really good American League hockey player. I think he has a chance to come in, play some third-line minutes, maybe maybe a fourth-line role, you know, provide some threat at the end of the lineup and kind of give you a little bit of an advantage there speed-wise. Uh, but I, I don't think Strongest is going to come out and, and ever be a top unit player. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? A lot of no. people think when a player is, you know, playing full-time AHL, first-line – and he's got over 400 career HL games. He's like, oh, he's NHL bust. You know, why are we congratulating him on that? No, that's a great accomplishment. Now, I'm a little bit different in terms of what you think. I think he'll – I think his ceiling is a bottom, a good bottom six forward in the NHL. Um, I think that's I fair. Think, I think that's fair. At the most, I think. I think he contribute there. But as far as what I can expect, I could see him as, yeah, a serviceable – you know, maybe fourth line guy to if you need a guy in the lineup to contribute for a week or two. But I I agree. I can agree with you there. He can be a solid AHLer. Now, could I see him failing out of the NHL completely 
and out of the American League and, you know, by the age of 27, he's over in Europe? Absolutely. That is absolutely a, a reasonable outcome for this guy. But, you know, I, like you said, I think bottom six forward is probably what you're looking at if you draft Luke Evangelista – or Luke Evan- – sorry, different player. Antonio Strongest. <laughs> um, Evangelista is just another London Knight, you know, another one that I dislike that much. But, mm. um, yeah, I think, like, honestly, if you draft um, – I almost called him Evangelista again. <laughs> if you draft Strongest and he ends up being a bottom six forward for you, I think that's a massive win. I think we got to talk about that other guy at some point, right? Because he keep keep mentioning. Th- right? Is he on your head? You, I you think he was already that? drafted, wasn't he? Was he? I don't know. That name rings a bell. He might have been drafted. Luke Evangelista. I don't know. He is uh, this draft. Yeah. So this is the guy that we're going to talk about at some point. Well, there you have it. But I do think it's important to talk about a guy like Strongis just to point out that if a player reaches a ceiling and his ceiling is a first-line AHL or fourth-line NHLer, it's not always a bust. You know, you need no, those. those. Those kind of players play an important role. Um, like, you won't necessarily look at them and, and say that they're, they're hugely important. But if you get a guy – like, I'll go to the Habs right away – a guy like Yol Armia plays a bigger role than a lot of people know. You know, those kind of guys, if they can kill penalties, they're extra beneficial for you. This is exactly why Armia is still on the team. Um, and, you know, Arturi Lekkonen another one of those guys. So, you know, you can't complain about those kind of guys. Those guys are important to have and usually come on the cheaper end. And if you can get any production out of them, it's, it's a win. 100%. So I think we'll wrap it up with him. Um, if you were to give him an ETA for the NHL or even an ETA for first line minutes in the AHL, what would you say? I think he's definitely spending the next two years in the OHL. I think he will definitely play his OA season in the OHL. After that, I think he goes to the American league and I think he could spend, you know, as little as two years there. I think he spends at most six years in the American league before that somebody moves on from him and he goes to Europe or whatever, but minimum end, I think that he's, he's in, but he's got, he's got four more seasons in front of him before he ever has a chance in the NHL. I can see that. I can see that. Or like a five to six year ETA of him reaching his ceiling, you know? Yeah. Uh, you never know. You never know what this guy, it, it, he could come out and play two fantastic seasons of OHL hockey <clears throat> and sorry, and end up in the NHL immediately afterwards. You just never know. But that's right now, I think he's probably about four years away. Yeah, so we'll keep tabs on him and see where he goes. Um, but we'll move it on over to our final player of the day. And um, this is a guy that I didn't know a whole lot about, Frankie, the player that you want to talk about. Yes. The OHL. Yes. Uh, I want to talk about Jan Mishak, who, you know, has not played many games in the OHL at all. He's played. 22 OHL games in his life. Those 22 games were absolutely amazing. He played 22 games in the OHL with the Hamilton Bulldogs this season. And him and Arthur Kaliev, man, were just unstoppable together. And then he went to the World Juniors, and I don't know if you watched this game at all, uh, but he crashed hard into the boards and absolutely just destroyed his knee, I think it was, and missed the rest of the season. But that being said, 25, goal, or 25 points in 22 games with the Bulldogs this year would have had a fantastic season had he finished it with Arthur Kaliev. You know, I think this guy in the second round we're looking at right here, likely, you know, we're 34 by Bob McKenzie. Around the end of the first round, early second round range is what we're looking at for Mechak. I think a team like the Los Angeles Kings should draft him to get him reunited with Arthur Kaliev because those two are electric together. I could see him in uh, LA. I think he's a LA style player. Um, he's, he's the kind of guy that I don't think has really had that opportunity quite yet to show his full stuff. Exactly. You know? That's what I, that, that, He's got a great release from what I've noticed. Um, his shot is something that can really be uh, you know, deadly to a team. I think that'll be a, a really good 
asset for a team. And I think he can build on that, but um, he hasn't had a season yet where he's put up incredible numbers his most recent year with Hamilton Bulldogs, 25 points in 22 games. Um, it's good, but again, like for said, a bad team, bad team. Right, right, right. But you know, like I said, he just hasn't quite had that opportunity to, you know, show what he's got. And, and that's it, right? Like his, you're talking about the first 22 games in a, in a new country with completely new rules to the game almost from playing in the Czech Republic. You know, you're playing on smaller ice and your first 22 games in North America, you scored 25 points. Like, you know, his world junior showing wasn't ideal with only two points in five games, but it would have been incredible to see what he could have done if he would have ended the season playing for the Bulldogs instead of, you know, destroying his knee. That shouldn't necessarily be an issue, especially considering at this point he's been resting for almost six to seven months. So that should be all healed up by the time the season starts in junior hockey by the beginning of October, hopefully. So I I wouldn't be too hesitant to draft this guy, even with that issue. I I think Jan Mishak is a, a pretty good bang for your buck pick again at the end of the at the end of the first round. He is a he's a good investment. That this is a type of player that you draft in the you know late first round, early second round. These are the kind of players that you want to go for the the players who you see develop and evolve their game. And you know, in his case, he comes over to North America and he's learning a completely set style of hockey. Um, the Size of the ice is a, a big difference. Like you said, not, people don't understand. For those, of you, for those of you who don't know, the European ice is much bigger than North American ice. Much bigger. Our and European complete, listeners are laughing at us that we had to say that right now, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Those in Europe already know. Um, but it, it, does, <laughs> it does completely change how you play. And he's going to take a few years to learn it and get better at it. I could see him doing a few years in the juniors and then he'll – you know, start making some strides, dip, dip, dipping his toes in the NHL. And yeah. Yeah. I think him and Arthur Kelly have had the chance to make the Bulldogs a, a actual good team at, at some point. I, th- I think next year is probably going to have to be it for those two together uh, because I believe Kaliev is a year older. So if I'm not mistaken, he's an overager next year. But. <laughs> I mean, you can't put all that pressure on those two. I think for what we've seen in 22 games out of this guy in, in, in a new country and a new style of play, I think he's been fantastic. Uh, the chemistry that he has with Tag Bertuzzi and Arthur Kaliev is, is actually really impressive to watch, especially for that being formed in only 22 games. He knows where they are all the time, and he'll make some, some great passes to them. Kaliev will often hit him back. That's why he's got so many goals. I can't understate it. I can't say it enough, just how impressive those two are together. So I, I really kind of want to see the Kings pick them because I want to see those two play together for a long time. And I think with Meshach, he needs an opportunity to, to show what he can do on his own, right? I think that's important in a player. He's lethal with Kaliev, like you said, but – I think what teams are also going to look for when they pick him as they develop him over the years is what he can do on his own and how he can hold himself up. I think that's important too in a player. Look, it's going to be an interesting thing to see what happens this year because even if he plays with Kaliev, he's still probably going to have a different uh, third line mate. And, you know, who knows? The Bulldogs might even decide to split those two up this year because they do have a new coaching staff going into next season. So if he's able to be split up from Kaliev and, and have the same kind of season with different line mates, I'd be equally as impressed. But I, I, I can't say that I'm, you know, afraid to pick him because of how good he is with one particular player. I think that that just shows me that he has the ability to come to a new country. Like that's a massive step that we cannot ignore. That's a massive step to have that chemistry formed with Arthur Kaliev in 22 games is nothing short of amazing. Like you're, you're talking about two and a half months worth of games to pick this game up, the North American game up and, and become this consistent and, and creative with Arthur Kaliev 
nothing short of amazing. And not to mention, not only does he have to learn new ice and how to play on that, but he still has a few areas of his game where he really needs to work on. I think one thing he could really use wherever he goes is a good skating coach. He's a good skater, but it's, it needs some work. I think, you know, with his acceleration, I think is a, is a big must to improve his game. And then I think that combined with his already good shot, that will make him a much better player. So I think one thing is his biggest need is a, you know, to improve his skating. Yeah. And, and let's hope his injury doesn't impact any future skating stuff because that would, that would really hurt him. If yeah. that's the case, I don't necessarily know if that's going to end up being the case, assuming this is all taken care of and everything went the way it was supposed to. But, you know, we've seen players go down with injuries before. Like Eric Carlson was never the same after his uh, Achilles injury. You know, it, there's just so many instances in the past where you, you look at a guy and you see injuries becoming an issue and it just derails their career. So if that's the case for Meshack, it's it's – Seriously unfortunate because he's shaping up to be a great prospect. But if that doesn't end up being an issue for him and you pick him at, at outside the first round, you know, you, you if you pick him in that uh, 34 spot, like Bob McKenzie is saying, you're getting an absolute steal with that, uh, what, third overall pick in the second round? I'll take that any day. And hopefully that, like you said, that entry doesn't completely mess him up. But that may not necessarily be a bad thing for him either with just changing up the way he plays. That might – I shouldn't say work to his advantage. It won't at all. But um, if he can embrace it and be able to adjust well and adapt to a different play style maybe, if, if it does affect him the way it might, um, you know, there's no question. He still has a, a good potential of reaching the NHL. So I think um, he's another one that I think needs for maybe even five years. Yeah, again, I think he's another one that spends his full time in junior hockey uh, unless he makes a decision to go back to Europe uh, because I believe he can do that if he would like to. Uh, he's an import pick, so he should have the option to do that as far as I know. But I, I think he's going to spend some more time. Like he, he won't play in the NHL before he's 21 at the very earliest. Yeah, I'm on board with that. I'm on board with that. Um, I'll tell you what though, the, uh, the players we talked about today, Frankie are, um, a little bit off the board. They are nothing alike, nothing alike, but, um, we're starting to get into that area of the draft where we're going to start seeing some, um, different play styles, a little bit unique styles, but a lot more simple games, you know, simple styles yeah. of hockey, I'd say. And don't worry, we we still will have more conversations about the top of the draft. We're hoping – right now we're trying to talk to a different, a couple of different people about uh, potentially coming on the show and having some discussions with us. So if you, if you want more top of the draft talk, that will be coming eventually. Uh, we just got to iron out a few things and see what we can do. For sure. We got to make sure we're hyping up Lafreniere as much as possible, you know? <laughs> Because what's the draft without the hype of the first overall pick? Exactly. Um, so, yeah, we will keep going over them. And, um, you know, our views might change on them as time will go on. Maybe not. We'll just have to reassure you guys on them. Yeah. So, But, I'm I really mean, as far as what we're talking about now, too, there's nothing more frustrating than your guy picking a player and going, who the hell is that? Yeah. Like you, you wait the entire third round and your team's picking, like, 28 or whatever, and then they pick Joe Blow from – the Kentucky gold diggers. You're like, who, <laughs> who is that? And then your night is ruined because you waited that long and you got nothing out of it. So learning about these prospects in the, uh, the later rounds, not only fun, but makes your night better come draft night. Yeah, exactly. Um, I've, I've done that a few times where the Rangers <laughs> go and pick a guy, they'll pick a goalie that I've never even heard of. And where is he now? I think he's in the East coast. So um, oh, I thought you were talking about Lundqvist, and I'm like, oh, I don't think you were born when that happened. No, no, not Lundqvist. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking uh, Mackenzie Skapsky. Ah. <laughs> I think remember back in the good old connected French, or the, the GM connected days of NHL 14 when Mackenzie Skapsky was a real thing. Yeah, I don't know if he's <laughs> still in the East Coast, but last time I checked, he's in Greenville playing for the Swamp Rabbits. 
Hey, so, and, I mean, that's exactly it, right? You get prospects that are like that. And uh, depending where you pick them, it's not exactly the worst thing to happen. No, no, it's not. I mean, if you pick them in the, you know, maybe first overall, maybe like, you know, maybe Rick DiPietro, you might not be so happy. But if you, you pick know, Mackenzie Skapsky first overall, you should be fired. <laughs> I think you're seeing your last few uh, minutes as a GM. I think you're done. Um, so like usual, uh, we want to remind you guys that we are taking suggestions for players now. This is where um, we're at that point in the draft where, you know, we're going to start reaching a bit for different guys and going off the board. Um, hey, so if you guys. And you know ahead. what, Nick, here's an idea too. If you want us to do a deep dive on a team where we go through, we pull up their roster and we tell you exactly who we think they should pick. Uh, we'll do that too. If you're interested in that here, seeing, seeing that from any particular team. Yeah, I like that. Um, I think that might not be a bad thing to look, look into even just as a mini series, you know, that might be something to look into. Yeah. Um, I'd actually, I kind of want to do an auto ascenders one for that just because I'm curious to see what they're going to pick. Well, even if we do it by division, right. That might not be a bad idea either. Maybe we'll look into that. Maybe. Yeah. So um, stay tuned for that. Might be a few weeks though. Don't get your hopes up. <laughs> yeah, just like we said, the goal is episode was coming next week. Expect that uh, next week. Also known as two months down the road. Yeah. Yeah. But Hey, the goalie episodes out. That's last week's episode guys. Go listen to it. Um, but with that, we're going to call it a day. We're going to call it a day here on the Hockey Prospect Report. We'll see you next week talking more prospects. See you next time. Thank you for making to the end of this episode of Hockey Prospect Report. Before we let you go, we want to once again remind you about our sponsor, Customized Sports. If you've forgotten, they offer high-quality tackle twill jersey kits featuring the name bar and the numbers that give a professional look to your, your blank jersey. For more information about Customized Sports, visit them online at www.customizedsports.com or on their Reddit or eBay page at customized-sports. Be sure to use code PROSPECT10 at checkout for your 10% discount and check out our Twitter giveaway that we're currently running. It's the pinned tweet on our Twitter. Thank you again for them sponsoring us.